I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, as we often reference here, if you turn on the TV on the major news outlets, you're going to get anger, fear, frustration, rage, division, contempt, all the things served up to you on a platter. Uh, and we're hearing extreme. We know the Democrats have spent over $2 million in the last 30 days on ads containing the words extreme, describing an opponent not to be outdone. The Republicans are about $1.5 million in ads in the last 30 days, painting their opponents as extreme. The question is, from a new standpoint, how did we get here? How do we restore trust? Uh, we're going to go to the ultimate inside source, Chris Steyerwald, uh, who has a new book out called Broken News, Why the Media Rage Machine Divides America and how to fight back. Chris, thanks for jumping on with us today. Well, thank you for having me. A pleasure. Let's uh, let's jump right in. One of the things I love in your book is the fact that you start with a little bit of history, that we've, we've sort of seen this movie before here in the country. Describe that to us. Well, uh, you know, I there are obviously uh, parallels. Uh, you know, history doesn't repeat, but it does rhyme. Uh, and there are certainly parallels when we look back. And one of the great parallels is radio. Um, human beings had communicated uh, to each other. You could speak to a group or you could write it down. Uh, but the ability to hear human voices over thousands of miles uh, and for the immediacy of intimacy uh, in these experiences was something totally different than people. No, human beings had never gotten information in this way before. Uh, and in the mid-1920s, radio was brand new. And seen by some as a fad, seen by some as, you know, this is probably not going to, this is not going to be the thing. Well, by the end of the 1930s, 90% of households in the country had a radio. It was a revolution similar to the smartphone revolution that we've experienced now that fundamentally disrupts how we get information. And I can tell you that the winners of the early uh, years of radio were not super, were not super people. Uh, <laughs> Adolf Hitler, uh, Adolf Hitler, advantaged yeah. by radio. Uh, but in the United States, uh, Father Charles Coughlin, a bigoted, you know, anti-Semitic priest. Uh, and of course, Huey Long, uh, the emperor of Louisiana, uh, found millions of followers, huge support for radical, anti-American, anti-constitutional uh, things. In, in, I'd point to 1935 as maybe the year that 
America since the Civil War was closest to, you know, pitching in the American system. Radio is a big part of that. And uh, it just takes time for us to get good at using new technologies. Yeah. And we shouldn't expect that this would be any different. Yeah. So interesting. Uh, as you dive into in the book, uh, you talk about broken news and, and you've you've seen it from the inside out in terms of how media outlets are, are selling the, the rage and uh, kind of given that blueprint um, uh, in terms of how that's done. But let, let's talk about the flip side of the blueprint. How do we how do we turn that into something that's good? Well, you and I, as journalists, have uh, special obligations uh, related to the Constitution and related to the American Republic. We are uh, given the great freedom uh, to engage in free inquiry and free expression, which is great. Um, but there is no American journalism separate and apart from Americanism. So the work that we do, we are obliged as Americans that it has to be has to love and honor the idea of Americanism. And if we take that out and say, well, whatever, we just have to do, you know, whatever the market dictates, whatever we have to do here, that's simply not good enough. Um, market forces are, we need uh, aspirationally fair journalism to be uh, sustainable, but it, we can't do things as journalists uh, in pursuit of profit any more than, by the way, you can if you're a farmer or a rancher or a paint salesman, or it doesn't matter. Uh, as Americans, we owe special obligations, but ours is, is unique. Uh, but then, as citizens, we all have a common obligation out of love, filial love for each other and uh, love of country that we have to be informed. It is simply not good enough. Like if you choose to have a bad diet, right, if, you, if you're eating Taco Bell uh, three meals a day, uh, if you choose to do that, that's your choice. Uh, and you can do that and it doesn't, it doesn't have much consequence for people outside of your home. If you are not a good news consumer, that has consequences for your friends and neighbors. That has consequences for the, the endeavor that we're engaged in. So we have to call ourselves. We have to summon up the willingness to do better as news consumers. That means hearing points of view that may disagree with your own and make you uncomfortable. That means looking for high-quality news sources, and it means that you have to pay for your news. Some of your news is going to cost you. You've got to be subscribed at least to the local paper. Uh, and if you can't, if you, if you can, then a national publication too. So that's what's called, that's what we're called to do. Yeah, that's so important that we all have a responsibility to, to be part of that. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, we've been focused, uh, obviously the president has announced he's going to speak to the nation tomorrow, uh, a speech that everyone is dubbing the uh, battle for the soul of the nation speech. And oh boy. We, we, we've been uh, debating that and, and actually just having people weigh in because I don't think that the soul of the nation is dependent on who wins a political office or a midterm election or any election. Uh, I think it's something quite different from that. But I would love your perspective, Chris. Uh, what is the soul of the nation? What is the essence of this place we call America? Well, the essence of this place is summed up in the American creed, that these truths are self-evident. They, they, we, any, any person can see them, that they are plain to see. Uh, and that we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights. They cannot be separated from us. Uh, they are inborn to us. Uh, I can be born into slavery, but, but my freedom, my right to be a free person is attached to me uh, by the Almighty uh, or how, however, however anybody look, whatever their worldview is. But these are natural rights. The government does not 
give us our rights. The government's job is to protect those rights uh, and to shield us so that we can live in the greatest degree of freedom possible, which requires, obviously, the kind of civic obligation we're talking about. But the um, the soul of America is whatever Americans want it to be. Right. This is we uh, I have had too many opportunities in recent uh, months and years to quote Abraham Lincoln's speech at the Young Men's Lyceum in Springfield more than 20 years before the Civil War when he said that we will either endure for all time as a nation of free men or we will die by suicide. You know, I think my question for Biden would be, how are you uh, moving us away from the latter? Uh, Because uh, it's still an option. It was certainly an option in Lincoln's day. uh, But death by suicide is an option for America today. When I hear Biden going out and talking about semi-fascism on the right and doing these things, that's not going to bring anybody together, right? That that doesn't do anything to heal. Uh, attacking the other side, uh, no one who is going to hear Joe Biden's voice and and listen to him uh, needs persuading on that count, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody yeah. doesn't take much to get Democrats to believe that Republicans are semi-fascists. Uh, but that's not going to do anything to heal the soul of the country either. Yeah. Uh, great insight as always. Chris Dyerwalt. Chris, of course, is a senior fellow at American Enterprise Institute. He's a political columnist with our friends at The Dispatch. And his latest book, you've got to read Broken News, Why the Media Rage Machine Divides America and How to Fight Back. Chris, always appreciate your perspective and insight. Thanks for jumping on with us today. Thank you, my friend. Have a great day. All right. Again, that's uh, Chris Steyerwalt. And that is the the question that we're going to continue to focus on today and tomorrow. Again, the president is going to speak tomorrow night to the nation. And the topic is the battle for the soul of the nation. And we talked a little bit about this yesterday. We're going to talk to people like Chris. We're going to talk to people from the business community, from uh, government, uh, from all walks of life. And we want you to weigh in as well. Uh, This is something we don't do often on this show, but I want to hear your voice uh, in a new way. I want you to take 30 seconds and just tell us what is the soul of the nation. And you can tell us where it is, how it is, why it is, what it is, what gives you hope in it. And we're going to talk about the soul of the nation. So this is your chance. All you have to do is dial 801-575-7668. Again, 801-575-7668. And you'll have 30 seconds to just share what is your view, what do you believe is the soul of the nation. And then we'll play those uh, on air as we continue to have this discussion as we go through the day today and tomorrow leading up to the president's speech tomorrow night. Uh, We have some uh, great insight already pouring in. Uh, So join us. Be part of this conversation. This is your chance to raise your voice uh, and share your perspective and insight. 801-575-7668. You'll have 30 seconds to share your view, your vision of what is the soul of the nation. All right, we're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, it's International Overdose Awareness Day. What to know, how to help, how to engage. Stick around. We'll be right back. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.